welcome to another episode in the series Rooh by Team Chipinabe where we talk about history of medicine. So far you've engaged through the podcast with the various resources and archives in this museum. However, there's more than just an audio engagement with these resources. Another way to engage with it is through the means of animation. And that is why we have Miss Meera Krishnamurthy who's an animator and a fellow IFA coordinator at the Selvatia History of Medicine Museum Library and Archives who's working with these resources to create various interactive animated movies and pieces for communicating the rich resources housed in these museums. Hi Meera. Hi Meera. Hi Akash, hi Durga. So Meera, what do you do? I am mostly an animation filmmaker and for this project making an animated documentary on the life of SL Bhatia. So the museum covers a wide range of themes and topics. What made you decide on working on the theme of SL Bhatia? Oh, okay. So everybody I think in Bangalore has heard of St John's College and the hospital, but we didn't know, I mean me included that there was a history of medicine museum within the institution. So I thought okay, let's make a film and give the context of the museum. Who is SL Bhatia? Why did he open a history of medicine museum in Bangalore? And what can you expect before people visit the museum? And you know, I think it's also complementary to the walks already conducted at the museum by curator Radhika Hegde and and of course your podcasts in the future thanks for the subtle plug <laughs> <laughs> so what is your work on uh, sl bartia brought out about the person so i read a lot of material at the museum couple of books written on him some of his speeches in the archival boxes books written by bhatia himself i refer to this one called science and the humanities some papers written by radhika hegde and mario vaz i think it's called social responsibilities of physician and the bhatia museum has a box full of photos and of course the collection itself because it began with bhatia's personal collection but you know reading through all of this i found it quite challenging to find a hook Everything that I read about him read off as a LinkedIn CV. He lived for 90 years and he's done a lot of things and he's always been described in the superlative a great son of India as majestic as an oak tree chiseled. So what makes a story interesting I think are the challenges the failures and the quirks that you find in the script and it was quite tough to find his vulnerability you know where is the conflict in the script and that's when I was reading the speech that he gave I think at Shillong it was a UN speech for the UNESCO celebrations he asks can grace charity and kindness come from science and that's when i realized that i found my conflict i found my hook his inner conflict was that he was a man of science and he witnessed its dark side because he participated in both the world wars in fact he went twice as a surgical dresser in world war 1 because of this he would always turn his students towards humanities he would urge them to study literature art history and to become fully rounded doctors so that was my main hook the other is of course the visuals the animation itself That's very well worded and I'm curious to know how you're tapping into the humane side of Asal Bhatia rather than the the man of science side that we know of more through the objects in the museum could you tell us a little bit about the process Sure. Well, I first made this set of mine. It's just as big as one desk. I just covered it with white. I have two lights and I started looking at objects itself. How would they move? How would I make them move in this tiny limited space? So, I started animating a few objects. I found that a stethoscope is quite hard to animate. All the bigger stuff cannot be easily moved. If I start animating it, if I think of it as an object enters, it does something and it leaves. The object would take only like two steps to enter the set because the set was quite tiny. Then 
I had to think of creative ways to fix this. I came across replacement animation. This is when you replace objects based on color or size. I did it using size. So the objects would start out as really tiny and then they would build up to become the bigger object. And then the object would move. I sort of did stop motion animation, which you capture a frame and then you move the object a little bit and then you capture another frame. So that is stop motion animation. That is how I'm telling most of my story. Other than that, there are some bits where I do a little bit of hand-drawn animation. And the way I'm trying to do hand-drawn animation is I'm trying to complement it with the object of the museum. So there's this bit in the script which is very text-heavy. It talks about the 1920s plague and how bad it was in uh, India, especially, I think, around Bombay. And Bhatia was at Grant Medical College. So what did he do then? All of this part is quite text-heavy and I thought the visuals need to ease off a little bit so people can just tune in and listen to the voiceover. So for this part, I just did this a couple of weeks ago and I'm like super kicked about it. It's mostly experimental animation. So what it does is it tries to to evoke rather than explicitly state. And to evoke this feeling, because I'm talking about the 1920s play, I had already started off with a microscope, like you go into a microscope. But I thought inside a microscope, I would probably do cutouts of Yersina pestis or something like that. And then I realized that is very telling, you know, it's not show, don't tell the popular adage that we hear. So I thought, okay, how do I evoke these feelings? And then I started uh, testing stuff that you find at your house. I just took like a bunch of stuff that I found around my house and I sort of animated it under the microscope and I shot it with just my phone camera. And this has been like the most fun bit for me. Just FYI, Prill looks brilliant under the microscope. You know the the toothpaste with activated charcoal? They're not kidding. It is actually charcoal. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun animating a bunch of stuff under the microscope. Of course, I had the help of Dr. Disha and Dr. Anusha, who are the senior residents of microbiology at St. John's. So that entire portion, I used these home stuff to evoke rather than tell. And then we come out of the microscope and then it goes back to objects and drawings and everything else around the museum. That is my animation approach. That is actually very intriguing. And I'm also curious, what was your process around brainstorming the medium of expression in terms of using objects to convey intangible ideas and intangible gleanings from SL Bhatia? How are you hoping to connect the literary or text-heavy material and sort of translating it so that it gets conveyed through objects? So the objects at the museum itself began with Esther Bhatia's private collection. So I thought I would start using his objects. And the thing about animation is it captures the timing of the animator. So even when you don't see the person, so you don't see Essel Bhatia or the animator, but I feel like you can feel the person or the human behind it because I'm moving it in a certain way and it's imperfect. And I think that makes it quite charming. It makes it quite compelling to watch the timing getting translated with these objects in the way they move. And in your storytelling, are you opting for a linear progression of ideas? Right now, it's divided into three sequences. I think within each sequence, it's linear. But otherwise, on the whole, it is non-linear. So generally, experimental animation is also produced with a small budget. And it usually employs only one director and not a team of directors or animators. The other thing is it freely exposes the material that we use to make the film. So you can see the object behind it. If you see the drawings, you can see the mistakes, the imperfections or the erasures that I make. 
So I think my film also it uses multiple styles. I started off with very loose storyboard and I started animating according to that. The entire act of creation itself becomes a process of discovery. While I make the object, I understand how it moves and what I can make it do and from that a lot of story emerges. For example, there's a section where I talk about World War 1. The storyboard that I made for it was, you know, they used artillery shells and it had mustard gas. So I'm going to make shells explode and mustard gas fill the air so it started off with a very explicit and narrative based drawings and then i realized that it was better to evoke and i want people to view the film through the pov of sl bhatia and then i thought something that worked better over there is you know how they say a surgeon has a steady hand you know about his nerves because he was posted at the slope of a hill and there was bombings all around him so you know with all this sound and noise and chaos and grief and everything that was happening around him how did he do things so i thought you know this portion would be better if you could see a pair of gloves probably doing like surgical stuff so i'm trying to tell the story through this way rather than bombs oh no or hiroshima nagasaki no so i try to stay away from that that you bring a very interesting perspective here where the point of view is from sl bhatia's view point rather than the viewer gaze on the objects yeah so i think it makes it much more human and captures the emotional landscape so i really look forward to viewing the final product of the project thank you how i'm trying to capture it is through sl bhatia's point of view and through my own timing that you'll see in stop motion animation which is actually what makes it compelling and not the smooth animation that we usually see in mainstream animation but it's this imperfect jarring sort of animation the grittiness yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's why i like coraline and other stop motion yes! films yes exactly yeah. yeah where there is this human intervention for a lack of better term again where yeah that invisible hand is making things move exactly i have this scene of a typewriter typing away oh my god i think i love it i absolutely love it because it, it looks like one ghost typewriter just typing away on its own that was really fun to make and here's my two cents i think anything can be animated using clay and glue and maybe also some scotch tape <laughs> uh-huh. yes And are you using any specific colors and color palettes or lighting for evoking certain emotions or scenes? Not really. You know, I feel like history of medicine goes with the gritty stop motion animation. There's this film. It's by the brothers Quay. It was played at the Welcome Museum, the Phantom at the Museum. So you see a bunch of objects moving on their own and doing their own thing. It's leaning more towards horror, and mine is not. So I started off thinking of that. I knew that my film. I wanted it to be intended to a general group. I knew I would stay away from the horror genre. So that's why I have a white background. So it looks more sterile. It looks more hospital because of that. A color palette I don't have. It's just all over the place. And also, since you mentioned that the movie is split in like roughly three parts, I thought it has a sort of different color palette or some difference in its treatment. Sure, it's mostly mixed media. There's another technique which I'm sort of working it in only now. I realize that this treatment requires another type of animation. So right now I have object animation. I've done hand-drawn animation. I did that experimental animation under the microscope, but I've just started doing this thing called paint on glass animation. So traditionally people use oil paint on glass and click, you know, another stroke and click and scenes move and stuff happens. I didn't use oil on glass. I'm using a glass table 
table at home and it's not my table so i can't use oil so i thought okay let me just use simple watercolor and wash paints to do a bit of paint on glass animation so while doing this animation i realized that it dries off very quickly and it's very hard to manipulate after that i did some research online and i realized that you can use glycerin so i've gotten glycerin this is another type of animation that i'm trying to stitch a bunch of pieces there's also some photos so it's mixed it's multiple styles of animation all in one so i'm trying to stitch the gap between everything using paint on glass i really love what it looks like you briefly touched upon them but what have been some of the challenges working in say a museum space or with museum objects and museum collections because i'm assuming some of them are fragile some of them are bulky some of them are behind glass doors and not accessible and if you're especially doing something like object animation you're using the physical objects themselves right so how is it been working in this space with these objects and what have been some of the challenges in bringing to life these objects and them telling the story Yeah I mean the first challenge is obviously the setup is really small and I thought it's okay I can put in a bigger object and I can probably make some digital changes to it but I realized uh, each object needs to be lighted well enough if I use bulky objects the light goes off and it will just look off so I realized that I cannot use bigger objects it's great to restrict objects it means quicker decisions you know i couldn't make objects enter in there's not lots of space so i had to use replacement animation which means replace a bigger object with like tinier objects and that's how it appears or disappears i only have the one camera stand which means i can only shoot objects facing the camera but i cannot do a top down which is preferred by animators i've just stuck to the desi jugad and tried to balance it on things that's how i try to capture a lot of things that need to stay on table and the camera needs to be on top so those are mostly the technical challenges that i had it's been super fun to solve each and every stop motion technical challenge that i've had the other thing was that so when i was experimenting with a microscope i tried to use a dslr and something about the lens the dslr cannot see anything inside a microscope so then i just shot the whole thing on my phone the challenge about that is you know when you take videos on your phone i think at least mine can only take 1920 by 1080p which is hd size of any film that we watch which means i can't blow it up it's usually preferred to want to take larger pictures so you can edit it however you want so that entire bit i could not edit but i think now that i'm watching it again i feel like that's charming in its own way that something is so accessible that anybody can actually shoot it with just your phone you don't need some sophisticated equipment or anything like that and obviously a microscope <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has that lying in the room. <laughs> so what have been some of the fun anecdotes through this uh, whole process of working at the museum working with the animation? The obvious one is it is creepy to work in a museum alone especially after 6 pm at night when objects come to life. I don't know, it felt that way. You know when I animate I turn off all the lights and I only turn on the lights that I need on my object. This makes people at the museum or whoever is passing by think that there is nobody there. So let's turn off all the lights in the museum. And when that happens, my door is open just a little bit and I can see a sliver of I used to see the plague doctor before and that was creepy enough. And then I it and then i thought okay it's going to be fine and then i was just animating a couple of weeks ago there's a fake skeleton at the museum and i swear it was like it was trying to move and i just felt like it was you know slightly trying to turn its head it was really creepy i have promised myself that i won't work later than after sundown that's a promise i made to myself oh a funny thing happened at the museum last week the museum saved my life 
I did not think the museum would save my life. I was on my way to the museum and I sort of lost one of my earbud from my earphones way into my ear, lodged way inside. I couldn't even feel it like physically, but I knew it was in there because it felt like I was underwater. So I went to the museum, found a doctor Anant at the museum and he used Bhatia's forceps to like remove his foreign body from my ear. So, so Dr. Bhatia continues to save lives. Even way after his passing away. I think animations is an interesting way in how we can use the static objects that are in the museums. Most of them are storied both as individual collections as well as representations of a time period and of events in general. So animation by its very nature, bringing these objects to life can be an interesting way to convey these stories beyond just texts and images. And like we try to do with the podcast, it's an interesting way to connect larger audiences to elements of their past and the present and hopefully be a way for a wider discussion on various themes and hopefully this being one of them. You know, the history of medicine, especially in this post-truth, post-fact world that we're in with a lot of shares on WhatsApp and Facebook that have all these alternate claims. As people working with museums and with academia, it becomes utmost importance to enable larger audiences access to general uh, stories that have been locked away and I think these efforts through animation is the first step out of many and we hope to have you back on discuss various other fun projects and uh, animations that you've undertaken or plan to undertake. Thank you so much for joining us. And as Durga has mentioned multiple times through this recording, we are eagerly awaiting your stories and the animations. So thank you, Meera. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Akash and Durga. This podcast series is the result of a foundation project implemented by the India Foundation for the Arts under its Archives and Museums program in collaboration with the SL Bhatia History of Medicine Museum, Library and Archives with part support from the Parijat Foundation.